Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, this is Mark Lee Morrison from the podcast Low Profile. I live in Olympia, Washington with my wife and two daughters, and I support Vishkana's creative control on Patreon because I appreciate his journalistic integrity. Vish talks with a lot of artists I care about, and he never asks any boring questions. I love hearing his interviews, and as a Patreon supporter, I get to hear even more of them. If you enjoy creative control too, I implore you to join me as a sustaining contributor. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Backwash is the performing name for Ashanti Mutinta, a Zambian-born hip-hop artist currently based in Montreal. Emerging as a public presence over the past few years, Backwash has established herself as one of Canada's most fascinating outspoken performers and artists today. She recently released an EP called Stigmata, but it's its full-length predecessor, God Has Nothing to Do With This, Leave Him Out of It, which has garnered her a higher profile and a shortlist nomination for Canada's prestigious Polaris Music Prize, which will be awarded on October 19th, 2020. Ashanti and I recently connected to discuss her trajectory from Lusaka, Zambia, to rural British Columbia, to her current state, splitting time between Montreal and Ottawa, why she felt forced to leave Zambia as a transgender woman and artist, how the West is engaging with the kind of life disruptions that many nations deal with regularly, how she got into hip-hop and her view of its stature these days, new album news, other future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One 
network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like Shad plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton this is the 565th episode of Creative Control featuring the wondrous Backwash with your host me Vish Khanna Hi, Shanti. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing okay. And yourself? I'm well. I'm well. First of all, where in the world are you? Uh, I am in Ottawa right now. Ottawa. Now, I know of you as being from Montreal, which is close to Ottawa, but what brings you to Ottawa? Uh, I actually do stay in uh, Ottawa. Montreal is like my music base, but I'm usually like in... But my, my physical, I guess, address is in Ottawa. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So why do you... How is How does that work? Why is Montreal your... Your music HQ. Do you go there to to record, or 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 what? Why why why? How does that work? Explain it to me, please. <laughs> yeah. So um, I stayed in Montreal for like uh, a few months, uh, but I had to leave because of uh, immigration. So um, you know, I got my PR while being in Ottawa, and mm. you know, I guess the stipulation of the PR was I have to stay in Ottawa for some time. Um, so it was like, oh, you know, all these, all, all these like connections and friends that I know from uh, Montreal, you know, I'll still be able to see them because Ottawa is like two hours away. Mm. So um, I guess uh, I was like, well, I could record from Ottawa or I could be like going to Montreal to record and to perform. And I was getting more shows in Montreal. So Montreal just became like my music base. And that's where my creative director is from as well. I see. Okay. For those uh, listening, uh, PR, is that a passport renewal? Uh, oh, that's a permanent residence. Permanent residence. I, I took a guess. Yeah. I like I like little word games. Oh, thanks. So PR could be press release, but I didn't think you were talking about that. So permanent residency. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. So that begs the question, uh, two things, I guess. Where are you originally from? And two, how long have you been in uh, Ottawa or Montreal in, in Canada, I guess? Um, I'm originally from uh, Lusaka, Zambia. So uh, born in Zambia, stayed there for 17 years. Then... Um, Stayed in, I've been in Canada for like 10 to like 11 years now because I came. Oh. Yeah, I came when I was um, 17 years old. Uh, nice. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's much easier to get your papers uh, before you turn 18 uh, during mm. the time. And I was going to turn 18 like two weeks, like in two weeks after I dropped. So I just came just like right when I was 17. 
and you know stayed in like BC uh, for a bit and you know had a short spill in Montreal then uh, now I'm in Ottawa I see okay now did you did you come here with your family or did you venture out on your own oh I, I can yeah I can see my brothers and my sisters I'll stay in my, I'll stay with my brother and my sister Oh, I see. So your 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 siblings were here already, but your are your parents around? Uh, parents are back in Zambia, but my siblings were like here already. I see. Okay. Now uh, the Zambia, uh, you know, information that you've just provided uh, prompts me to ask a, a few different questions. First of all, let's start with the obvious. For those of us who have never been or may never get to go now, in particular with all of the travel restrictions, what was it like for you to uh, to grow up in Zambia? It was it was alright, uh, honestly. Um, never really like lived in a place uh, as comparable as Zambia. Um, you know, people are very friendly. Uh, you know, people are very helpful, and um, you know the 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 amount of like uh, the amount of um, money that you can survive on um, is in, is like pretty low as well. But you know, there's also poverty. And, um, you know, there's also all of these, like, colonial institutions that, that were left by the British. Um, so it's got, like, a lot of conservatism in it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was growing up as, a, you know, a major Christian, you know, just, like, reading all the books and um, being in tune with, uh, you know, all that Christian life. Uh, but I wasn't, um, at times I wasn't the best of Christian, but I guess I was, I was diligent uh, to a certain degree. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so, so, um, uh, it was, it was, uh, conflicting in terms of, oh, you know, people are nice here, but again, it's like in order to protect yourself, there are certain things that you had to keep, keep secret from other people and. In order for you to like express yourself, it was very difficult at times. Right. So there are some parallels between your experience in Zambia and experiences I've had in Canada. In terms of your distinction about poverty in Zambia, how would you compare that? The living, and you were saying, you know, in some ways, like the standard of living is cheaper. Well, in a lot of ways, it's cheaper. Yeah. Can you t- talk about those two things as they relate to your experience in Canada? Um, I'm just curious, like the levels of poverty you've witnessed here, how do they compare? And also, uh, yeah, now that you're here, you've been in BC. Uh, I assume you were near Vancouver, if not in Vancouver, which is one of the most expensive cities in the world. Uh, Montreal is eh, not, uh, I don't well, actually, you can speak to that, Montreal and Ottawa. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about that. Standards of living in compare uh, as they compare uh, between uh, your time in Zambia and Canada. Can you elaborate upon that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, standards of living in, in terms of um, I, I like to I, I don't know I'm not like an economist but I like to compare it by like the dollar value. Sure. Growing, growing up in Zambia, I could uh, obtain groceries for the whole week for you know maybe even five dollars wow yeah five ten dollars give me my bread give me my soap give me my eggs you know give me some meat you know i'm set but five uh, bucks five wow five five to ten bucks and you're good Mm -hmm. um and you know uh and 
uh, comparing it to like, you know, living in like BC. And I was in like rural BC. I'm not going to say the city, but it was like rural BC. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, just like the amount of like money that you can be able to save up was pretty difficult living in BC. Uh, I was shocked when I found out that pizza was like $20. (laughs) (laughs) I was was like, what? You know, this is expensive. And, you know, I guess, um, when there's more, there's more cash flow in, 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 in Canada. So I guess the price of uh, groceries tends to be higher and and stuff like that. But, um, Mm -hmm. I guess it was just, it was just, just like seeing the difference when you can make that comparison, um, uh, was pretty, you know, surprising to me. And um, I guess comparing in a local sense from, okay, let me compare uh, Montreal, BC, and uh, Ottawa. I would say, um, you know, Mon- I've had I've had like a good experience in terms of prices in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the prices in BC, where I was staying, wasn't as bad as Vancouver because Vancouver is ridiculous. Uh, Ottawa is also ridiculous in terms of like the amount the amount that uh, the apartments cost, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like com- it's 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 uh, some of the prices are un- I can't even like you know I, I always remain speechless because I'm just looking yeah. at them. I'm like, yeah, you're paying for uh, a two centimeter apartment and it's like four thousand a month. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all um. I, being able to compare just like the standards of living is is um, is kind of like eye opening, uh, but again you, you take a you take a look at poverty because the next logical step would be well if the standard of living I guess the price point of you know just like living seems much better or much lower where you're from, then um, you know probably a lot of people are more well to do off and you start looking at it and you're like no because. You know the resources that uh, Zambia had uh, were exploited, and uh, a lot of the countries uh, during that time were just kept in uh, disarray and shambles. Um, so we ha- we we do have problems uh, economically a lot, and you see a lot of uh, poverty with people. Just like living conditions are like so bad at times. Um, yeah, my yeah. my friend, I used to have this friend, and you know. I, 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 we, we would hang out and he would have to do like homework of where I'm staying because like electricity was was like luxury to them you know mm-hmm. uh, if, if you know that some days they wouldn't have candles you don't have candles you can't do your homework you know and um, you know you see, you see uh you see like different neighborhoods and uh, different places just have like a lot of poverty to them and it's so sad to see and you have like children growing up in this environment and you know Zambia is trying but they've been exploited so much and you know their the resources have been have been excavated so much that it's, it's 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 very hard for them to do and just like the the, the system that's in place as well is not beneficial to them because um, it's not a system that benefits everyone. It's a system that kind of um, congratulates or gives more to the people in high positions. Um, you know, the politicians that are there. Uh, we have uh, our type of government. 
you know, we have like ministers, like minister of education, minister of science and all of this. And, you know, sometimes I like to think like, what do these people actually do? (laughs) They get get paid so much money, but, you know, you just wonder, what is their purpose in, in, in doing all of this? And, you know, I, I think, you know, um, I, I, com- I commend uh, the country that I'm from for trying after all of these, all of these like years of turmoil. But uh, it's kind of hard when uh, you've been oppressed and the system that's in place is just not beneficial to no one. Uh, so comparing that to, I guess, coming back to comparing that to Canada, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very different. Because, because, oh, sorry, go ahead. You invoked uh, the word resources a, a few times there. And yeah. can you first, uh, from your perspective, can you identify what some of the, you, and you mentioned that those resources have been excavated uh, and uh, that your country has been exploited for them. Yeah. What would you, how would you identify those specific resources, the ones that are, are the targets of that exploitation? I would, uh, you know, talk about like natural resources in terms of Africa. Um, yeah. So like 1960s, people would like, oh, 1960s and, you know, years before that, you know, Africa was rich for, you know, you know, diamonds, copper, you know, all of these, yeah. all of these like uh, different natural materials. And you had uh, British South Africa company that came all the way from Britain that, um, you know, what's his name? Cecil Rhodes. The guy that built yeah, like a yeah. train station from like Cairo all the way to South Africa in order just to export diamonds. So you had all yeah. of these British people come in and say, "All right, these are ours now, and um, we're, we're not we're not gonna use any of them. We're not gonna give you any of them back. We're just gonna excavate all of this stuff, take it to Britain, in in the name of putting you under a protectorate." So the protectorate for them was like, oh, this is a place that is under British protection. And, you know, that's how we'll have a hold over you. And, um, you know, because during like, I guess, colonization, you had like Belgium had a few colonies. France had a few colonies. You know, uh, the British had a a lot of colonies. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they they spent all the time earlier on just like decimating uh, the, the the infrastructure that we had um, in 1972 around that time our president was we got independence in 1964 1972 our president Kenneth Kaunda was actually doing well uh, to a point where I think one kwacha was equal to like one dollar point two nine it was actually pretty good. I think it was at the, I forgotten where it's at. I've forgotten exactly where it's at, but I have a suspicion on when it was, uh, when, when Kenneth Kawanda said, uh, instead of us like importing all of these different things, um, we're going to start, uh, you know, we're going to start building our own things. So uh, when you go back to Zambia, you have the Zampen, which is like a pen from Zambia, and it's got like oh. a certain brand into it. And, you know, it's, it's one of the memories of that. But, um, you know, it, it, it didn't stay for long. And, you know, we were back in, 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 in disarray. And there's a lot of uh, conversation um, right now. And there's still mines 
there's still there's still mining happening there, mm-hmm. and um, you know you have external forces coming in and uh, buying off these mines in exchange for we're going to build you roads and we're going to do this stuff. But this uh, double-headed situation in which uh, people are being mistreated by um, some of these companies that are coming. And the question is, is it worth it at the end of the day if, uh, if, if we're still being treated the same way as we would be treated uh, pre-independence? So, uh, yeah. Well, one of the reasons I, I asked you about this, you know, about the excavation, about the exploitation, uh, was about the labor. I've asked you a couple of times to try to uh, relate your time in Zambia with your time in Canada. Uh-huh. Uh, here in Canada, such labor uh, that you're describing uh, when it comes to the excavation of natural resources, uh, in our case, it's all sorts of different things, I suppose. But often that work... Uh, is assigned to people who have uh, maybe lower education, uh, maybe are considered of a uh, lower class, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, perhaps maybe there or maybe it's migrants. Uh, it can often be work that's uh, assigned. Uh, there's an inherent racism to it too. It's the yeah. work that not everyone here would like to do. Was that was it a similar circumstance in Zambia or? Uh, who was doing that work, I guess, is uh, to your recollection, uh, when you left, I know you've been here 11 years, but this work, this exploitation that you're talking about, this labor, who generally was kind of doing it, if you will? I guess um, uh, the mining companies operate tandem, you know, just like any company. So at the top you have, um, at the top you definitely have like the, you know, the owners, all of, all of these um, mines, you know, rich 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 people and yeah. definitely doing much well than everybody else then at the bottom you have definitely uh people who who will be considered of a lower class um you know working uh working working the mines and going in and you know um going in long hours just trying to uh, get into the mines and yeah it's uh you know the 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 exploitation that is happening right now from these other companies behaves the same way. Where you have, you know, uh, people you have poor people working in the mines while the rich people are just like you know sitting at the top and collecting uh, their funds. Uh, there was a there was a case in which uh, I think a worker got shot. So a worker got shot because um, I think they were having a strike. And um, it, it was it was a, it was like this huge controversy, but it brought up the question again of you know is it worth it if uh, if, uh, if 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 people are treating us like this you know it feels kind of like pre-independence times like is it worth it to have you know these external companies here as well so yeah okay so these these kinds of questions that stir up. Uh... Uh, maybe not as prominently here as they should. They they are stirred up uh, where you are from in Zambia as well. Is uh-huh. what you're saying? Like people people do raise questions about this. Okay, one of the reasons I first of all thank you for explaining all of that. No um, I guess one one question one follow up question. You say you arrived here about 11 years ago, and I think you said you were maybe around 17 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So before you left Zambia. 
I'm not sure how much of the workforce you were a part of. Were you a student? Were you working at that point when you left? I had just completed my grade 12 and I wasn't really working apart from, you know, helping my friend sell stuff in... There are these shops that we call timbers and they're like really, really small and it's yeah. usually uh, built like, you know, like it, it's almost like in, sometimes if you, it's like... How can I describe it? It's it's like a hole in the wall, <laughs> essentially. It's like <laughs> right. a hole. It's like a hole in the wall with bars. And my friends, my friends had one at the corner, and sometimes I would help them uh, sell. But uh, I, I wanted to try and get my uh, studio going, and see if I can charge people for like making beats and you know recording them. But that never that 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 wasn't as successful as I thought it would be. Well, I'm, I marvel at any immigration. I'm the child of immigrants. My parents moved here in the mid-70s from India. Awesome. And every once in a while, well, it's worked out well for all of us. I would say I'm happy. I'm good. Uh, I've been to India only the one time, and I had a bit of culture shock. Uh, and I was only I was 12. But um, so I, as I've gotten older, would try to ask them questions about their motivations for leaving, and I never really got anything beyond sort of nebulous you know, for a better life. You know, we wanted a better life. And I'd, I'd say, but you always say India is the greatest country in the whole world. And now you left it for Canada for a better life. Yeah. And they're like, we, we don't need to elaborate upon this. You know, <laughs> just, we left and that's that's all you need to know. Like, it's fine. So I, I wonder as a, as a teenager, your compulsion to leave, um, uh, leave Zambia, uh, I know this must be complicated for you. Um, I can't actually, I can't quite tell about your emotional connection to Zambia based on our line of discussion, which has been, I think, uh, fair to say it's been, it's been balanced, but critical. Tell me about your relationship with Zambia now. And can you also within that talk about what compelled you to leave? I know you say you had siblings here in Canada, but it's a big move. I mean, like I say, I marvel at anyone who makes such a big move. Yeah. Can you talk about that? What what compelled you to leave? I guess it's um the I guess uh the, okay, I'll go with the first one first. Um I guess Yeah, I, yeah, sorry. It's all right. <laughs> I've got a I've got a I think I've got a strong connection uh to it, but um you know, because of uh, who I am, it's kind of hard to return and um you know, visit Zambia. And just because of when you when when you say who you oh sorry you're probably about to explain it I was just hoping you could elaborate elaborate oh, upon what that means who yeah, who you are yeah so as a as a trans person it's like a no go zone for me uh, I see yeah so being a trans person and going back to Zambia is is um is, is not something I would rec- recommend um and uh is that is that based on your own experiences there as a trans person or from what you observed um I, uh, it, it's it's both you know i was mostly in the closet back back in zambia but you know the uh, i would see people's reactions when when you know when they faced you know somebody who might um when they face somebody who might embrace some sort of fluidity Mm-hmm. So I guess it's a compl- complicated connection because you know that's where I'm from, but um, it's kind of hard for me to uh, embrace some parts of it. But um, 
you know, it's it's it's, it's kind of uh, ridiculous in a sense because uh, some of the tribes um, that are in Zambia before the missionaries came, you know, explored that you know fluidity and that you know you know that gender fluidity, and that was pretty normal for them. Uh, but it, you know, when the missionaries came and they said, you know, this is wrong. That's when. That's when. That's when it went to. That's when it went to shit. Mm. And so you have a conflicted. You have a conflicted relationship. Yeah. With Zambia, it's your homeland. Yeah. I'm sure you 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 miss it, but you feel unwanted at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And um, I guess uh, compulsion to leave was just. Um, I just, I just wanted to like uh, join my brothers and my sisters, and uh, I guess it was also, you know, when the, when 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 you're living in Zambia, and the people are talking about life in the West, you kind of get seduced by that as well, you know. Um, well, what were they? I, I can I, yeah, that's fascinating. So, what were your brothers and? Because that happened with my parents too. There were. There seem to be friends and relatives who kind of scouted out Canada for them. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you know, they'd report back and say what it was like, and then that was kind of enough uh, yes. for my parents to to make the move. So, I actually am curious about what your your siblings reported back to you about Canada that made it seem alluring. Because the other part of where I'm coming from with this is, you are in Canada during a pandemic. Yeah, uh, you are ex- witnessing how Western societies are dealing with uh, situations that I think uh, people in Africa, people in different parts of the world, for various reasons, experience annually, monthly, daily. Um, yeah. So I, so my questions are again. I'm sorry to load you up with two questions at a time, but no. that's just this is the way it happens sometimes in a conversation. So my questions are both. What did you hear about Canada that made you think, oh, that might be all right for me? And two, what do you make of what it's like right now as uh, the Western countries sort of seem to be floundering at this great inconvenient interruption uh, yeah. in their daily lives? Can you talk about both of those things? Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, 17-year-old, you know, 16, 17-year-old hearing about like how it's like how dope, you know, Canada is in terms of you know, just like uh, the music here and, you know, so many different cultures. And, you know, I guess I was just looking forward to um, and the, the, the idea that there is possibility uh, here to do something. Not saying there isn't possibility to do something back in Zambia, but... Um, you know, the, I think that's one of the major problems in which I guess people think the best way is to leave Zambia, and I'm, you know, guilty of that as well. Well, if you you have already expressed that you felt limited in your ability to be yourself that's as true. a person, so how can you possibly, if you're feeling that way already, I can't see how you'd feel comfortable expressing yourself as an artist. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And, and uh, I guess. You know, what's interesting is uh, seeing the way, you know, the Western uh, people are handling this versus, um, you know, Africa. I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not really shocked because uh, growing up, we were hit with like, 
waves of like disease season. So during like the cold season or rain season, that's when it's mosquito season. Mosquito season means, you know, you're about to get malaria. You're about to get, yeah, malaria. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're about to get like, you know, you're about to get sick and you have to take necessary precautions. And, you know, using things like mosquito nets and, and spraying bug spray becomes the normal part of, you know, your protocol because yeah, you're kind of used to that. Then there's cholera season. And in, during cholera season, they say, make sure you boil your water. But that becomes like a natural protocol to say, well, I'm just going to boil my water regardless, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, swimming in the lake. Should I really swim in the lake or am I going to get like bilhazia? So it's just like, you know, I, I think growing up back there, you're, you're really careful of um, of what you tend to do. And, you know, if 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 you're in a situation where you're hit with the wave, you take the necessary precautions. Um, so I'm not really sh- I'm not really shocked that, you know, African countries are handling it well, because um, if they told them, Oh, make sure you put a mask on. It's you know, it's a it's it's a it's a bad season for this. They'll definitely do it because, uh, they, <laughs> right? Yeah, they they um they've been hit with like so many, they've been hit with like you know a few different uh a few different uh, pandemics or epidemics if to be more accurately. So well, there, there's something about I. You say you're not surprised or are you shocked at the entitlement? I feel like the subtext of the way people are. Uh, adversely reacting to any protocols is that this isn't supposed to happen here. Oh yeah, yeah. It's super selfish and weird. And I, I wonder. I understand you're not shocked, but you must be. The entitlement to me is staggering. Uh, oh, it is. And I, I've lived here my whole life, and so I have certain built-in it, cynicism towards humans and people uh, based on the way I've seen them drive their cars and behave. And my, you know, I'm not perfect either. Like we all have this self-interest sometimes and you you try to be mindful of it and if you're you know if you're self-aware enough or what have you but yeah i don't know i just wondered about your perspective there like people just that to me is what's going on this isn't supposed to be happening to us it is it is like so ridiculous and uh how they try to relate it to you know you know some people try to relate it to kind of show how masculine they are and i'm like dude it's really just a mask. <laughs> it's 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 not that serious. It's just a mask. I, this right. this this other guy was like, oh, you know, like I, I think like he made a joke that you know men who like wear masks kind of like wear dresses or something like that, and and I'm like, it's 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 really not that serious. It's it's just a mask. Like it's supposed to protect you. I've not heard that. I mean, most of our, many of our masculine heroes wear wear masks. Every superhero basically wears a mask. Yeah, Batman yeah. <laughs> seems pretty masculine, and he's got his nose covered with that mask. I don't know about the mouth area. That seems suspect for what's going on. But yeah, that makes no sense. I don't see the mask thing as doctors. I never think of a doctor as, you know, you know, unmasculine when they're performing surgery on me. I'm like, good. That's probably good. I'm glad you're wearing the mask. Yeah, yeah it's just the inconvenience... Uh, for people is the fact that that is the primary concern or the uh, what about this here we have and it's rising uh, annually conspiracies 
yeah. disbelief of facts. Yeah. Do you have any experience with this? You mentioned conservatism, uh, certain uh, limitations to what uh, how people can function uh, where you're from originally, but was this mistrust? Actually, you have a lot of corruption probably where you're from too, just as we do. But did, was there this en masse or at least segments of the population, like massive segments of the population that distrusted the media, distrusted politicians enough to just say, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be the exception to this protocol. Do you have any recollection of that occurring in Zambia? Only when it uh, intersects with um, with the church, because the church is very big in, in Zambia. Mm. Um, so if you wanna if you wanna make a conspiracy theory popular in Zambia, just related to you know just related to your church to the church in some way, and it's gonna blow up. Um, I remember. Huh, that's yeah. that's fascinating. I'm surprised no one said there's no Bi- there's no masks in the Bible. I thought I'm waiting <laughs> that for that. Would that would that's go. probably gonna happen here soon. I can see that happening, that right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So, I could see that because. You you described all the protocols that happen when you know virus season, as I think you called it, is upon you in yeah. Zambia. People will boil their water, and no one. I guess that's it. You mentioned that people are like it's un, it's it's not masculine to wear a mask. You're seeing that as we're still in. I would describe this as still the early days of the yeah. pandemic, right? But like, would people do that there and say like, "What are you boiling your water for?" You see, like no one. You're being a, a you know a wimp because you're boiling your water. Would people say that? You, they, you know, I they they definitely wouldn't say that because um, you know when you get sick and you see somebody dying of cholera, it would scare anyone straight. Yeah, it, but that's not happening here. We're not which seeing which is so weird. It's it's extremely well, yes, weird. The, the, the virus rates are up and and people are dying. I mean, uh, we're right next door to a country that's leading uh, the way in terms of how not to manage this. Uh, so, and, you know, I don't think it's a virus that has uh, a passport and needs needs one to get over. Like, yeah, I'm just like, what is happening? Yeah. And, oh, by the, by the way, how are you doing? Sorry, I usually ask my guests early on how they're doing in the midst of all of this. I did ask you how you were. That's not, I'm not a jerk, but I didn't ask you, I didn't ask you how you were doing in terms of this, the pandemic. How are you doing uh, emotionally um, and, and whatnot? I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, trying to, uh, well, I'm, I'm already like always like, yeah, I'm usually reserved. Like I'm usually in my home just like alone. Uh, most of the time, so this wasn't like such a big change. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's 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 very different once you know you're in it. You know, if if I, if this wasn't Corona season and I was just in my apartment, closed off from the world, you know, it'll be alright. But there's a certain layer once you're just in your apartment alone and it's Corona season. You know, there's like a certain added. Uh, element of stress to it because i guess yeah yeah you're worrying about like you know are you are you doing the absolute right thing to to be safe uh but in general uh i feel okay but just uh you know still kind of you know it's still like still at the top of my mind as to what's the best way to be to be safe well, and so there's the safety protocols and, and the responsibility you, we all have to our 
respective communities, of course, in terms of of not uh, being part of any spread of this of this thing. I'm sure, and 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 not contracting it ourselves, of course. Uh, you are a performer, though, as well. Um, yeah, uh, and because of oh, sorry, congratulations on your Polaris Music Prize nomination, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. Thank you. I feel like your profile is about as high as it's ever been in Canada. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is yeah, the most ever right. since I've been in music, like, to, like in totality, this is the most traction I've ever got. You got a lot of attention at the moment. Uh, the the record "God Has Nothing to Do with This, Leave Him Out of It" is nominated for this award. You just put out an EP uh, in August, I want to say, the Stigmata EP. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Right. So you're making music, and ideally, I'm sure. Uh, yourself and others who care about your uh, career probably would want you uh, to be playing some live shows, uh, doing whatever you can. Uh, so I guess my question is, vocationally, how are you feeling? I talk to many artists who are uh, struggling in various ways with what's going on uh, in, in terms of the pandemic. Uh, and then I think also I'm speaking to many artists who are uh, not sure if tonally, because of all of the police brutality, uh, the racism, uh, the social unrest, like it's what a strange dovetailing of issues yeah. uh, to make make someone wonder if is this the right time to be writing music and releasing music and performing? Like, are we just ignoring all of this stuff at the same time by doing that? Like, it's weird. Um, yeah. How are you doing on a I'm a musician and I'm an artist and I'm a performer level? I guess um, from from that aspect. I guess I would say I'm doing okay in terms of uh, I still want to go back in the, in the studio and I still want to record stuff. My um, my surroundings and my team in terms of recording is very small. In terms of coming up with music is very small. Um, it's just usually me uh, and my engineer. And if I need um, you know a session player, um, they will record it on their side and they'll, you know, to their home studio and they'll send me the stems. Um, yeah. So in terms of logistics, uh, you know, it's pretty fine. In terms of, uh, you know, just like performing, uh, you know, you ha- you do have like your social distance um, shows and you do have your virtual shows. Um, but, it, you know, the, there's, a, there's a certain aspect of it in which you kind of have to make sure and make a judgment to see if people are taking all the best precautions uh when it comes to the shows you know um yeah yeah that that that, that's a big one i you know the last weekend there was like a rave here maskless and you know had a bunch of people in it and i was just like what 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 are what are you people doing (laughs) what what were they doing why were they doing that i have no idea no (laughs) idea i have no idea i think it was like five djs no masks and, you know, people are just having a rave. And it's just like you see all the stories on your Instagram and you're like, oh, my God, what is going on? You know, I I was just uh, I, I'm, I live in Edmonton now. I moved yeah. from Ontario to Ed- Edmonton and yeah. I saw I was just at the grocery store and I saw a guy wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Oh, I was just like, wow. Yeah, I, I saw one once in where I lived in Guelph and I was like, what the hell? And oh I saw God. it again. And I was just like, what the, I saw it today. I, as I'm speaking to you, I saw it's been two hours since I saw it. And I view those hats as like a hate symbol, like a yeah. hate crime. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really, it's a, we're relying on people to 
to get us through all of this stuff. And yeah. uh, it's, uh, like I say, it's just hard. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard uh, to rely, rely on people. And I'm sure you're seeing uh, sides of uh, Canadian and North American people uh, that you could not even fathom uh, existing. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, f- I feel like you're a realist about these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are coming out of the woodworks and just saying the most ridiculous thing. I saw this, um, you know, so this uh, news site, news, uh, kind of like this news show where um, this person was talking to this lady and, 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 you know, he was like, why aren't you wearing your mask? And she says, well, I'm very confident that, you know, Jesus would protect me. Mm. And she's just walking around. And it, there's a, it's, it's, it's very interesting because just the mask alone has brought out the weird, you know, radical conservatives out of the woodwork. It's, you know, for, for people that tend to say, oh, we are all based on like rational thought. And we leave out emotions when we're making decisions and we just like objective decisions for them to say no to a mask is kind of ridiculous. It's kind of to me highlighting what the just the array of things that people put their faith in. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about religion and that's usually what faith means. But I think people also put their faith in news sources or they oh, put yeah. their faith in themselves yeah. to just just to allay anxiety. They believe a certain thing yeah, and it could be completely unconventional. But we're sort of seeing all these. It's become a multi-faith time where like, really, like you believe in this twisted belief system that has nothing to do with anything that we all are experiencing. Like it's. Sometimes yeah. it's not even religion. It's just information. Yeah. I put my faith in this information to get me through my days, and now I'm going to spout off about it. Uh, so, yeah, all that stuff in the shadows is is coming out, and it's uh, it's certainly frustrating for me. Um, I was thinking about you as a, a rapper and your delivery as an artist, and yeah. I think it's it's been described as aggressive. Um, yeah. and, and when I hear it, it can be. I mean, I've... I've had your music playing in the open air of my house. I have two little children. Oh, and awesome. every once in a while, yeah, no, they're good. They're good. My son in particular really likes uh, rap and hip hop. And and so I have, uh, but I have found it a little intense to oh. have on when I'm cooking in the kitchen sometimes and they're around because just, I'm not, this is not meant to disparage you in any way. Yeah. They're nine and five. I just, <laughs> there's some... They're young. They're very young. So I'm yeah. not. Don't don't take. Don't get this twisted. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, it's intense. And yeah. I wonder. We've talked a lot about where you've come from, uh, your life experience. Does that inform your attack as an artist? Does the the restriction you felt in Zambia, for example, does the tra- does like moving to Canada, uh, is all of this emotion? coming from those things or does it feel like something more recent if that makes any sense yeah it, it makes sense i think it's something that i think yeah it's a combination of all my experiences but i think i just figured out how to do it more recently if, if that i see yeah combination of all my experiences but i just figured out how to do it recently because uh, i you know i i don't know any other way uh to make music right now just because of you know, I'm I'm still I'm still not past it. 
and you know these my these are my emotions uh essentially when you say you're not past it what are you not past um i guess everything in terms of feeling trauma just like everything still not still not past it so i i, I don't know any other el- any any other way else i would be you on on your latest record that the God has nothing to do with this, leave him out of it. There are moments where you seem to be reflecting uh, perceptions of yourself, um, the way you're perceived as a person. And I know that that can be like it, it, some for some people it would be sort of lashing out at being observed uh, or being scrutinized. Uh, but what does that say about your own? comfort in your own skin um because at some point some of us reach a point where i mean i have it as a person of color uh, as well where like i used to when the mask thing first started i was wearing my mask in the um grocery store and i'm not trying to make a pun here but i was kind of the minority doing that mm. and i would get these i would get these stares and at first I'm like, oh, well, they're staring at me because it's uh, I'm wearing the mask. But then I was like, oh, wait a minute. No, these are familiar stares. I live in Canada and I'm often surrounded by white people. And those yeah. stares are, are not just because I'm wearing a mask right now. Um, and like I say, I think there's moments like that uh, in your life experience that you reflect in your work. Um, so how much of that is simply trying to use your music to address that feeling of being scrutinized and how much of it is you trying to express something to yourself about your place in the world uh i think it's it's more of the time is um just me lashing out i guess the scrutiny um Mm -hmm. i guess i would say even uh a lot of the times uh it's just me uh kind of lashing out i guess like scrutiny you know harassment and you know mistreatment and uh, all of these things and trying to like uh, uh, bring it forward. Also, I guess just uh, attacking structures that were imposed on me, like, uh, you know, just like the Christian religion and, um, you know, just asking questions that I wasn't uh, able to ask uh, in the past. Right. As because well. of just feeling restricted to be able to express yourself. Yeah. So, okay, so just thinking about Montreal, your sound, I mean, the sound you've come up with uh, for your work, being in Montreal uh, over the last 11 years, uh, Montreal changed a lot at the beginning of this century. Um, I think Constellation Records there was on the come up. Oh, yeah. Uh, There was a a kind of pop explosion, pop music explosion, if you will, if you count Arcade Fire and Wolf Parade and all those kinds of bands as as being pop. Uh, You get there maybe at the tail end of that, but still uh, a city quite vibrant with music and art. Yeah. How has being in Montreal and I guess being in Ottawa inspired you or influenced you in your own work? Uh, It inspired me a lot. Um, Montreal, I like the Montreal underground. Montreal Underground has got people doing just like the most amazing things with their tools. Um, and, you know, just on Friday going to La, La Sotarena and, you know, listen to like a noise show or going to La Plante and, you know, listening to like an experimental rock show and, you know, you know, going 
going into like the cipher and just seeing people jam on these like live uh live instrument hip-hop instrumentals it's, it's it's a very inspirational city because you have people coming through it from all walks of life and you know it's once you see them do it it kind of gives you that inspiration of oh you know maybe i can do it as well and yeah yeah it's just like it's just very vibrant uh uh, as well your interest in hip-hop i'm just curious where that began and what inspired it because on some level uh some of your sounds and some of your approach approaches as a vocalist might well fit in hardcore punk or metal um you know rock sort of idioms and 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 also in uh more gritty rap and, and hip-hop how did you get into hip-hop and why did it feel like the best sort of realm, if you will, to express yourself artistically? Um, so uh, I, I started, uh, I guess I was really into hip hop when I was, uh, when, I, when I first started doing music, I was into like slow R&B. And I was like when mm. eight, eight or seven, you know, boys to men, because that was what my sister <laughs> used to listen to. I used to uh-huh. love it. Then um, I saw the More Money, More Problems video. And changed my life because uh, that's a good that's a good video. Yeah. It's shiny suits and yeah, 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 it's incredible. And you know, I think uh, I I just really like how like Mace uh, came came on the uh, the first verse and and Big uh, also really you know really liked his his flow. And I used to watch it continuously when it, when it, yeah. when it first showed up. I asked my sister like you know what is this? <laughs> it doesn't sound like singing. It just sounds like they're talking. I was like, oh no, yeah. this is like, you know, this is like rap. And, you know, she kind of showed me the basics of what like hip hop is. And, you know, from there, I just kept on listening, listening and, you know, writing rhymes and studying and being in like, being a fan of like so many different forms of hip hop as well as, you know, not just hip hop, just like music in general. I was, uh, I was big on like Linkin Park at one time. Uh, this, oh, okay. Yeah, this is like my teen years. Uh, you know, you know, I had like a Black Sabbath phase, so it was just like, it was just like a combination of different styles of music. Uh, but you know, hip hop has always been like, has always been like my first, my first love. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. That uh, this is going to sound stupid on the one hand, but I was actually thinking about how Donald Trump. Donald Trump has famously been mentioned or sampled or even appeared on like a thousand hip hop records. Yeah. And, and I, the one thing you mentioned, more money, more problems. And the one thing I'm kind of struggling with at the moment is the hip hop for me, when I got into it as a kid, uh, it was an aspirational kind of music. Like it was, and it was, it was a pretty angry and pointed kind of political music. Yeah. And, and then when I think about the relationship of Trump and the manifestation of like where hip hop has kind of been over the last 20 years, I'm going to sound like such an old out of touch of man right now. Sorry. <laughs> but like, I just think about the materialism involved in hip hop and how Trump, like Trump's whole thing is money, porn stars, women, like money, sex, like now there's drugs and this kind of like, if it, if it, if it's about money, like why are people arguing? Like if, if all it is, like I'll just throw money at every issue and people should be happy. What are they complaining about? 
and and like I think about where hip hop has gone in the last 20, 20 years or so, it really is kind of a, a lot of it anyway has been kind of about that. Like my favorite producer and rapper for the last 20 years, and this is very difficult to say out loud, but his name is Kanye West. And I can't, <laughs> yeah. now it's very hard to reconcile that. How many times have I seen Kanye West live? How many records do I shirts? Like I have all the stuff. I like, I was obsessed with them. Yeah. And now I feel like I, I don't know what to do with him now. And on some level, and then like he aligned himself with Trump. <laughs> and yeah. then when you actually think about the misogyny in his music and the, the materialistic aspects of it, like the kind of out of touch, rich guy, uh, sexist bullshit. Like, so now I'm like, wait, am I, what did I do? Like, what happened? Is this, is this some fault of the music or is this like, is Trump really their avatar? Like he was on, like I randomly played an old method man record the other day and I was looking at it and I'm like, Donald Trump skit. What the, like he's on the record saying method man, we're all waiting for a new album. I'm like, Oh no. What happened? <laughs> so anyway, sorry, whole knot of thoughts there. But do you have a, an opinion about, again, I'm very narrowly suggesting hip hop has taken some turn that it didn't have when I was first into it. Yeah. Um... Like in terms of its economic aspirational qualities and what Trump, Trump represents, there's some weird connection there that I don't like. And or do you disagree with me on that, first of all? Uh, yeah, a bit. <laughs> I would think so. Like, I'm I'm struggling with it. I don't have an argument here. It's just something that occurred to me. Yeah, um, I think, uh, I think back in the day, people like to use, you know, if we're talking about, um, okay, so the thing is, uh, I think any music, when it starts being uh, more popular, I think the, the you know the topic of embracing capitalism comes up a lot. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, uh, an example is you know the the NSYNC videos um, that used to come out during like the 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 the, the early two thousands. You know, was just like private private jets and uh, absolutely. Like, it was it, yeah. it was it was you know pop is very glamorous and you know pop was very popular then and. Um, I think Donald Trump is, you know, at that time, uh, at that time, I mean, people who knew that he was extremely bad because he did write that letter uh, kind of. Uh, yeah, he, about the Central Park Five. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, oppressive, just like systems when it comes to, you know, uh, property that he used to own. Um, yeah. So. Right, you know, racist practices as a as a landlord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But, but I think he yeah. was known more as, you know, this is just that rich guy. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a quirky thing to like, you know. Have. Well, I, I, should, I should say, I think he was being clowned in most of the lyrics about him. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think he was being clowned and, and being like, wouldn't it be fucking funny? to get that idiot Donald Trump on our record. Like I do I do think there's a side of that, but then I also just think of every time I hear a reference to him in some old song I like, I'm just cringing now and and maybe no one knew. No one knew what he was capable of really at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and uh yeah, and I think yeah, just like, you know, in in speaking of like the turn of hip hop, um I think uh now is like the perfect time uh to actually be like a hip hop fan. 
must because uh, the amount of music that is out, uh, the amount of uh, different content that is out, the different subgenres that are out, and you know, trap is always going. Trap is going to be popular uh, because you know it's accessible. Uh, you know, and it, it, it embraces, you know, that idea of, of uh, you know, of capitalism of, you know, say, yeah. same thing as, so, as, as Pop was doing in the uh, early 2000s. And um, what, but when you take a look at hip hop and you say, well, I don't really like that. Um, you know, let me, I'm looking for something with a bit much more, uh, you know, substance and uh, with, a, with, a, with a bit more experimentation and you know you can go to your abstract hip-hops you can go to your industrial hip-hop you can go to like your experimental hip-hop you can go to like your cloud rap you can go to like your emo rap so i think now is like uh, a really good time to be like a hip-hop fan because just the amount of content uh that is out is uh is staggering yeah, I think it's unfair. First of all, uh, thank you. I, uh, secondly, like I, I, I do think it's unfair to ascribe uh, blame or criticism to any genre for putting its success out front. And I don't think this is like you bring up some pop examples. And I wasn't trying to say all hip hop is like this. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it does, it does, it does feel more in my. F- it has felt more in my face uh, in the last few years of just like money, cars, you know, women. Uh, and, and and that exists in rock and roll. That's a that's a rock and roll trope. I mean, God, from the fifties onward, it was all about those things. Um, yeah, another, another aspect of it as well is hip hop is like the most popular music uh, right now. Yeah, so it's going right. to be like, yeah, uh, it's going to be like saturated, and um, you're probably going to hear more of those songs. Yeah, you're probably going to hear more of those songs. Since um, you know that's that's what the people want to uh, want to play on radio and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I I like. Uh, do you know that TV show Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah. So I really like that show, and I've always liked that show. But now I'm watching it again, and I don't know what happened, but my attitude has sort of shifted about it because I'm like, I didn't really think of it as this weird. It's a comedy, and it's very dark in so many ways. But it's really a lifestyle of the rich and famous. Ah, uh, yeah. Because you have this like, you know, almost near billionaire getting into fights with his fellow millionaires and billionaires. Like, it's yeah. sort of weird. It's sort of a weird thing that we all, like, you know, he's got his nice house and his car and they have these rich people arguments that we can sort of laugh at because these rich people are idiots. Like, that's, to yeah. me, the saving grace of it. But, like, I'm just as exposed to that affluence from, or comedians in cars getting coffee. Like, it's uh, just that, that, yeah. that in-your-face affluence thing I just gets to me sometimes. Yeah. And so... Yeah. When I, so that's all. Like it, it's just a trope that I have wrestled with as a. I've been a hip hop and uh, you know rap and hip hop fan since I was like a little kid, since the eighties, you know. And uh-huh. uh, I just sometimes I I have more. I, this is all obviously playing in the background of my mind yeah. as I listen yeah. to new, new hip hop. I'm like, is this saying something? But wait a minute, what is that other record? full of guitars and bass even saying you know what does it mean to say something with your music like i don't really get into the style or substance arguments too much or i don't dwell on it but you're like just it's come to mind listening to you frankly because you're saying lots of substantive deeply personal things and it doesn't feel braggadocious it feels like empowering i feel like you're asserting yourself and i i relate to that but um it doesn't feel like you are, uh, you know, sanding off the the edges 
Uh, oh, yeah. It feels real. Yeah. So that's all. That's all I'm getting at. Like it used to be, I used to, I do relate to music that feels real and genuine and doesn't feel like it's just navel gazing and celebrating itself. Uh, yeah, yeah. if that makes any sense. So Absolutely. anyway, sorry, bit of a tangent. I'm glad we, I'm glad I'm, are we still cool? I hope you're not oh, yeah, good, no, right? We're, okay. Yeah, just yeah. making sure, Absolutely. making sure we're okay. So, uh, I guess I wonder what's next for you at this point. Like we've kind of talked about this, uh, cultural suspension we're in. you are releasing music and you say you can make it remotely, um, what, what are you going to, and then there's the Polaris music prize. As we're speaking, the Polaris music prize, uh, gala is coming up and uh, I don't know if you're taking part in that or what kinds of demands are being placed on you because of that. Can you speak to what you're kind of up to these days? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I guess what I'm up to is just, uh, I'm, uh, making instrumentals and writing lyrics and trying to figure out, uh, because I guess the next album is going to be narrative-based and, um, you know, try, trying to figure out uh, how I'm going to connect the threads. And um, in terms of Polaris, uh, we're going to do a virtual gala. So we have some things planned from the virtual side. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh, I guess it's, people have to, like... People, in terms of performance, have to change... Because uh, they now have to be good virtually, which was not something yeah. that, yeah, which was not something that you would like do in the past. So it's very different. A lot of like learning experiences, um, and uh, all I want, I guess, is just to continue uh, making music, uh, the type of music that I want, and just like, you know, as uh, as honest as I can do it. Uh, and I think I'm just gonna continue down uh, that path uh, and. Uh, see, see how long I can do this for. <laughs> it's a little bit of a day-to-day operation now, isn't it? Just being a human being. Yeah, yeah. You have to prepare yourself. You have to prepare yeah. yourself. And sometimes, you know, when it's too much and you want to just stay in bed, that's fine as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you want to keep some of this uh, information sealed until it's time, but I'm intrigued by what you mentioned about a narrative-based album. And if you don't want to get too specific about it, that's uh, I, fair, I, but... I can talk about it. Uh, you want to talk about it? I just yeah. wonder what inspired you to take on a kind of conceptual uh, record, first of all. And if you want to talk about maybe what it's about at this point, I, I'd, I'm sure myself and others would love to hear about it. See, uh, inspired by uh, Kendrick Lamar, Pimp Butterfly, is... Ah, uh, yeah. Is, you know, the, the <laughs> such a great piece of work. I... You know, I'm always in, always in awe about like how he just like did that. You know, just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the fusing of the genres, the 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 story told from like front to back, and you know the delivery, the performance, the just the whole aesthetic. It was you know very powerful and something that I've really been inspired by. And I thought it would be nice to experiment with the narrative that I had, that I experienced in which uh, I experienced the church burning down uh, back in Zambia uh, because people, oh. yeah, people thought it was a Satanist church. So I would like to kind of uh, tell that story, but kind of like put my own personal uh, twist on it. 
Yeah, like your most. Thank you for explaining that. I mean, this record that's nominated for this award, and I mean, you've got a new, as I said, you've got a new EP called Stigmata. Yeah. Your latest album is called God Has Nothing to Do with This. Leave him out of it. Yeah. Uh, what is your relationship to both uh, God as a concept and Satan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is your relationship to good and evil at this point? <laughs> it's uh, my relationship to God was based on you know this is a system that I grew up in. But it's a system that I cannot be a part of uh, because, you know, just because of the just because of me being like a trans person. And uh, I guess the embracing of the darker imagery is um, kind of embracing of uh, the rejection and being fine with the rejection. Hmm. Okay. Okay, you're coming to terms with who you are and yeah. how people relate to who you are. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, I mean, it's very powerful. And Thank I, I, appreci- I appreciate uh, your music and I appreciate this opportunity Thank you. Uh, to speak with you, Ashanti. Uh, if you wanted to uh, send people uh, to learn more about you or your music on the internet, where would you like them to go? Uh, backwash.bandcamp.com Okay. Are you on the other things? All of the other various yeah. things? Yeah, I'm on Spotify, Apple, Music, uh, you know, tied off the Hoshi Banks. Instagram. Instagram Facebook. as well. Facebook as well. Yeah. Twitter okay. as well. And uh, okay. yeah, I, I saw you um I think I saw you in Toronto. I was there in February doing a live uh yeah, talk from, show at the long long winter long festival winter. and then you Yeah. That's right. That was a really good podcast. Would, I like that. Did you like that? Did you enjoy that panel? What? I don't even... That's the last time I've been in Ontario. I flew back just to do that, which some people here thought was kind of nutty. Oh. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I, I want to do it. I, I had a good panel. And yeah, I did... Like, good. I did the January... You liked it? Okay, good. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, It was a little ramshackly. And then you, following that, did a really wonderful chat uh, talk, a live podcast taping with my friend Anupa Mystery for oh, yeah. uh, Anupa's... Uh, burnout podcast i thought that was really cool shout out to <laughs> yeah i just talked to her this week it was nice to to see her again and uh, right. uh virtually of course yeah 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 so yeah no it's good i'm glad we've connected um if there's a song uh, of yours that we can go out on either you know if uh, we didn't really talk about the stigmata ep but um if if it's from that or maybe god has nothing to do with this leave him out of it would you pick something for us and, and maybe tell us why you chose it um I'm gonna choose uh, spells um, from God has nothing to do with it, only because I wasn't feeling too well yesterday, and uh, Debbie checked up on me, which is awesome. Oh, okay, <laughs> who who is who is Debbie exactly? Uh, Debbie is the person featured on the spell song. Uh, she's from the band Black Dresses, and she's like really talented. <laughs> okay, okay, all That's right, awesome. so. Uh, let's send this out to, to Debbie. We might as well do that. And uh, and yeah, I wish you the best luck with this award thing and, and everything else you do in the future. It's been a, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much, uh, Ashanti. Thank you so much.
feel that way I'm broken, useless in the morgue and I can't leave the place I think I'm soulless in my soulless I'm hopeless, I don't know if my emotions buy an all switch by the office Why the doors are open, closing and there's no one in the corridors At my reflection, like yeah, here's a sorry thought But this shit is so very simple Heart is so devastation, the karma is heaven, his you See my only option is devoting myself and mystery Think that I'm responsible, this monster will let me hear you Think of all the problems I ponder if it is worth it She will live and hurt just to whip in a minute skirt Do the 9 to 5, stay alive, I'm a kick and turn You see I see the light at the tunnel, just let it blurry But, but I'm saying Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Very, very special thanks to Backwash for appearing on this, the 565th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all Apple and Google platforms and other things as well. Spotify is one of those things. There's also a YouTube channel and uh, stuff goes there, but you probably know what you use, but it is just in case you don't know what you use or if you want to switch, uh, Creative Control is likely uh, there, wherever it is you're going. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, that you've heard about it, but you don't know where it is, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can follow Creative Control on Twitter, at vishcreative, or follow me directly, at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going there's a new feature now you can actually uh, uh make a donation for uh the, the whole year an annual donation uh, i haven't really explored what this means i guess it just means you're connected for the year which is great so anyway 
patreon.com slash creative control to keep this show uh, going. I'd like to thank uh, live at masseyhall.com. Uh, if you go to that website, you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, I'd like to shout out Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my uh, dear friend Jim Guthrie. Uh, he lends me some music for the show, and you can learn more about him and his work at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with the, the great Backwash. Best of luck to Backwash at the Polaris Music Prize this, uh, this year. And uh, if you like this episode, why not check out some more? Or subscribe to the show or follow the show. However it is you do things, uh, there's lots of other episodes. 564 other episodes to be uh, very precise about it. So yeah, check out the show. Tell your friends about the show. And I'll tell your friends about y- or you. No, wait. I'll tell my f- I'll tell my friends about you. Spread the word about you. Why not? I have to go. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.